You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I love singing the great hymns of the church, I'll tell you. It's, uh... <laughs> Since I forgot to ask you to pass down the friendship folders, if you didn't do that, could you get up now and go to the end of the pew and get the folders I'm beginning to preach and uh, pass those down. Some of you already did it for me, but I'm sorry I didn't mention it. So if this is one of your first Sundays, thanks for signing your name and giving us a phone number or address or whatever. Uh, really glad you're here. And um, seriously, if this is your first Sunday, have lunch with us today, okay? This is our second week to talk about margins. And we're talking today, of course, about margins in regard to time. So We gave you a definition last week of what we mean by margins. So margins is simply the amount that is allowed beyond that which is required. Okay? So margins is the amount that is allowed beyond that which is required. And so when I think about margin, the very first thing that comes to my mind is like back here, a piece of paper. Um, And on the left side of the piece of paper, there is this red or blue line And I never start writing over all the way to the edge. I always write inside the margin. Now, I could write to the edge, but it wouldn't look as pretty. And it would be chaotic. Maybe a little bit like life is when we don't create margin in our lives. And so I found myself this week, I was sitting in a meeting, and I was taking down a lot of notes. And I didn't start on the very edge of the paper. I started and I left a little margin. And then I found myself, as I was taking notes, going back... And writing in some things that I'd forgotten in the margin. And so margin allows for the unexpected in life. So that's what margin is. We talked last week about we like margin when we drive. We like highways with shoulders or emergency lanes. And if I get crowded at the center line and I've got a shoulder or an emergency lane, just because I get crowded at the center line does not mean that I'm going to crash. Because there's margin there. So, once in a while I'll preach a sermon. And and very honestly, my feelings aren't hurt. But maybe a few people on Sunday will say something like, Good sermon, Pastor. Or something like that. Or that helped me. Or I like that. And then there's other times when I preach a sermon. And I get lots of text. And lots of emails. And lots of conversations. And almost everybody that I see through the week wants to talk about the sermon a little bit. And so that's what happened last week when I started this series on margin. And I realized that I reached a pretty sensitive spot for some of us. And you begin to say to me, Pastor, I need to make room for the important stuff in my life. And maybe that's an area where I'm not doing so well. So since you thought about it for one week, I wonder if there's people looking at me right now saying, Rick, okay, you're preaching to me, buddy. Because when I look at my life or when I look at our house and how we live there, there is not a lot of margin in our lives. Our schedule is like this. We get up in the morning and we go as hard as we can go until we hit the bed at night. I mean, we collapse on the mattress as tired as we can be and there's just no room for rest. We go really fast. And sometimes we crowd out the things that really matter in life. Or I wonder if people are saying to me, Rick, when we think about our lives financially, we live all the way up to the edge. There's no margin. I mean, it takes every dollar that we bring home to make it work. And if we have something unexpected like a car repair, 
Man, it throws us into chaos because there is no margin in our finances. We spend every dollar we earn. And sometimes we spend a little more by borrowing money. You understand. You open the Bible. And God in His Word addresses every day life. And I love that. And so today we're going to be talking about margins in regard to time. And then we're going to talk about margin in regard to money. And then we're going to talk about margin in regard to morals. So I'm just going to ask you to pause with me for a minute. Kind of look me in the eye if you don't mind. And let me just ask you, have you ever considered the fact that God has some pretty strong opinions about how we should be spending our time. Have you ever slowed down enough? And I know life is busy and life is full. But have you ever stopped to consider the fact that God has some pretty strong opinions about how we ought to be spending our time? So let me open the Word of God with you, okay, to the book of Ephesians. And I'm going to be in chapter 5. I'm going to start with verse 17, okay? Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm starting with verse 17. So here's what's going on in the book of Ephesians uh, up to this point. In chapter 4, Paul starts talking about, you know, giving basic instruction for Christian living. And so he says lots of things, things like... uh, You were created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. And he says things like, um, you know, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And get rid of any rage or any bitterness or any envy. He says you really should love each other. You should be compassionate to each other. That's what you should be. Don't let there be any sexual impurity among you. No obscenity. Not even coarse joking. That should be not be a part of your life as a Christian. He says, God is a God of light. And you are children of light. So you need to live like children of light. And so it's in that tone. It's in that flavor. It's in that conversation. That we come to verse 17. So let me, let me give you the words. We'll put them on the screen. Okay? So be very careful then how you live. Be very careful how you spend your life. Be really careful how you spend your time. So so you've been given this life and you're spending it every day. Seconds pass really fast. And as your life is just moving on, the Word of God is saying you need to be very careful in how you spend these seconds that God has given you. So be very careful how you live, how you spend your life, how you live your life, how you spend your time. Not as unwise, but as wise. I want you to make the most of every opportunity. The word opportunity, we'll talk about in a little bit, is kairos, and it's also translated time. Many times you see it in the Bible, here it's translated opportunity. And so it refers more to this block of time, okay? So make make the most of every block of time, every opportunity, everything that God brings into your life, every moment. Why? Because... The days are evil. I mean, look around. It's a tough world. We have an enemy. 
He's bringing havoc on our world. I mean, read the news. Times are tough. So therefore, do not be foolish. But understand, as you are living your life, as you are spending your life, as you are spending your time, understand what the Lord's will is for you. Do not get drunk on wine. I think I have to pause there and just say the Bible says do not get drunk. Is it okay to get drunk? No, the Bible says don't get drunk. It's a sin to get drunk because the Bible says do not get drunk. So I know it's really simple, but I think we need to say it and we need to pause for a moment. Just that the Bible says don't get drunk. Which leads to debauchery, which really means just leads to a very difficult life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. So this is God's Word for us today. Amen. Um, we, we, we live life in a hurry. And I know that is not news to you. But I, I remember when we moved here from Cincinnati. I, I remember loving the pace here. Uh, people live in a different pace in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, than they do in Cincinnati, Ohio. I, I sometimes will go an entire day or two or three and never get on an interstate. I love living in this northwest quadrant of the city. And, and, and life just seems to be at a little bit of a slower pace. I think it's something about the south, the southwest. But the people in Oklahoma City could teach the people in Cincinnati a lot about the pace of life. You guys do really good with pace, I think. But even in that regard, we all tend to live in a hurry. A friend of mine, Bob, told me about a comedian that he heard doing this bit about cell phones. And he says, cell phones are amazing. Only a few years ago, nobody had a cell phone, but now we all have cell phones. But we find ourselves getting really frustrated when the cell phone doesn't work exactly like it should. And the comedian says, it has to go to space. Could you give it a minute? (laughs) No, we're in such a hurry. If the thing doesn't work just like I want it to, I'm mad at it. And he says, it's a miracle. It has to go to space. Give it a minute. And he kind of concludes his bit by saying, everybody's in a hurry. Life is really good, but nobody's happy. So I hear, I hear the phrase a lot, I, I don't have time. Uh, no, I didn't have the time. I haven't got the time to do that. And so I'll kind of live with this sense of time is pretty precious. And it's kind of moving every second at a pretty good pace. It doesn't ever slow down for any of us or for anything. It just keeps on moving. And I thought you were going to sing, Kyle, time keeps on ticking, ticking, ticking into the future. But the others were really good, too. Yeah. Here's the truth. Everybody, 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 everybody in the room, everybody has the same amount of time. And so when we talk about margin, here's what we're talking about. 
We're talking about asking God how He would have us spend our time and then planning all of that into our day tomorrow before we start spending those seconds that are just ticking away. And so instead of me just living life and being busy and letting a lot into my schedule, I'm going to decide I've got to make room for the important stuff in my life. And I'm going to plan that stuff into my life tomorrow before I ever start spending tomorrow. And I'm going to create margin in my life and create time for the important stuff. And so God's Word talks to us a lot about how we spend our time. I shared with you that uh, I reread a book a couple of weeks ago by a guy named Richard Swenson. And the reason I hold it up like I do is because that I'm hoping somebody will say, maybe I should buy that book and maybe I should read it. If you haven't read it, I think it's a great book. He's a medical doctor and he says, what motivated me to write the book was that people were coming into my office with real physical pain. But more people were coming into my office with real emotional pain. And a lot of people were coming to my office that didn't remember having a good night's sleep. Their schedules were lived to the limits. They went hard from the time they got up till the time they went to bed. And there was no time for rest. There was no time to regenerate. And the lifestyle choices that they had made demanded every dollar they earned. There was no margin in their finances. It cost every dollar they earned to finance their lifestyle choices. And he said, so, we begin to buy into a lie. And the lie was that more technology is always better and more communication is always better and nicer stuff is always better and newer houses and newer cars are always better. And even though I have to work more to be able to afford all this stuff, I want a better life, right? So it must be worth it. But Swenson says, in essence, what has happened is that relationships have starved to death. And we don't have time anymore for each other. And parents have now become providers instead of parents. And we live with depression and we live with divorce and we live with drug and alcohol abuse because we don't have any margin in our lives. We live all the way to the edge. And there's no time and no money left over when the day is done. And so God's Word, as we open it this morning, says, you know, let me talk to you about how you live your life. Let let me talk to you about how you spend your life. Let me talk to you about how you spend your time. Let me talk to you about opportunities that God is putting into your life every day. But you're not seeing them. You're not seeing those blocks of time, those moments that are precious. That God has ordained Himself But everybody is going so hard and so fast that we don't even see them as we drive by them. And so Paul says, be wise in how that you spend your life. Make the most of every opportunity that comes your way. We don't know a lot about time, but we know a couple of things about time. I I remember the first time that I went to Costa Rica. And, and the people that I was with, we were doing some mission stuff, but they desperately wanted to take me to a, a rainforest. I'd never been to a, a real rainforest, and, and they wanted to show me 
I think, some of the most beautiful sights I've ever seen in my life. Probably the most overwhelming was this waterfall. There were many of them, but this one was extremely high. And so when I say high, I don't mean higher than that ceiling. I mean like 20 times higher than that ceiling. I mean a waterfall that you just couldn't even hardly see the top of. And the water's coming over this fall. And then we're up on this platform and the bottom of the fall is down there. And there's this mist, this spray. And it's just unbelievable how much spray is coming out of this waterfall when all the water hits the ground. And so the sunlight is coming through and you can watch the mist. And I watch the mist and I kind of wondered, so where's it going? And all of a sudden the mist just kind of vanishes away. And so when you open the Bible, there's a guy whose name is James and he says, that's what life is like. Life is like a mist. It's like a vapor. And so it appears for a vapor. It appears for a little while, and then one day life is gone. So, so, so time is not unlimited. You, you get so much, and it's moving right now. And it's elapsing. And it's expiring. And when all of these clicks are gone, life is over. We also, we also learn about time, or one of the things that we know is that, that you can't save it. The, the idea of we're going to save some time is a myth. You, you can't actually save time. Uh, do they still have, like, rollover minutes on a phone? Does anybody know? They do? You, when, when, when we first got phones, I remember you got so many minutes, and now it's more unlimited. But if you didn't use your minutes, you know what you could do? Roll them over to next month. And I remember always looking at my phone bill when we first got cell phones. And for some of you, you're going, we've always had cell phones, haven't we? No, no, they're recently new. In fact, only about 20 years ago we started carrying phones. But I remember looking at my, my bill and I was, I'm, I got all these minutes. And the one thing we know for sure about time is that you can't bank minutes. Because they're moving. They're gone. And one day, at the end of life, you can't say, I'd like to use my rollover minutes, please. There's not going to be any. They go away. And so, God's Word gives us some pretty great instruction. And here's what I want to share with you this morning, okay? Don't, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, there's a novel idea. What if... What if we got serious about this concept that Paul has given us? And before we spend our time, what if we got up in the morning and we found ourselves with the Bible open in our laps and we found ourselves on our knees praying and we said, God, before I spend any of my time this morning, I'm going to ask you what your opinion is about what I should do with it. This awesome, valuable resource of time. Before I start just spending it like crazy, I'm going to ask you, do you have an opinion of what I should do with it. The reason that makes a lot of sense is because God is the only person, the only being alive, who knows how much more you have. Okay, so what if I could do this? What if I could say, in just a moment, something amazing is going to happen. You're going to be able to look at the palm of your hand, and you're going to see a date, and that is the date of your death. It's only going to be there a few seconds, and then it's going to vanish away. Would you look? How many of you just glanced at your hand, be honest? Would you look? Do you want to know the end date? 
Personally, I would not look. I think it would drive me nuts. I think it would make me crazy. I don't think I could cope with it. When I opened the Bible to the book of Job, and that's where I've been in my morning devotions the last few days, in chapter 14, Job is talking, and you know what he says? God, you have numbered the days of man. You have decreed the number of our months, and none of us can exceed these limits. So God has already determined how many days I get. How many hours? How many minutes? How many seconds? And he knows the end date. And so doesn't it make sense that I say, well, God, since you know how much of this I have left, maybe I should ask you how I should spend it. Maybe you have a very strong opinion about what I should do with my time. So... I don't know if you do this or not, but the idea of getting up in the mornings and opening a Bible before I do anything else or finding time on my knees to talk to God before I do anything else is really a pretty good idea. And and, and if you ask God early in the morning, how, God, do you think I should spend this? These are the kind of answers you're going to get. You understand that Richard Swenson writes this book. But the idea of margins is not original with Richard Swenson. It's actually original with God. Because God was the one who first started talking about margins in regard to your time. And here's how he talks about it. He says, this is the edge right here in your time. Okay, don't live to the edge. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to work six days. But I want you to step back. And on the seventh day, I want you to rest. And so God says, I want you to build margin into your life in regard to time. All right? You could live up here all the way to the edge. God, do you know what I could accomplish if I worked seven days? God says, I know what you're capable of, but I'm calling you back from the edge, okay? I'm asking you to build a margin in your life in regard to time. I only want you to work six. And the other day, I want you to spend it with me. And I want you to spend it with your family. And I want you to spend it with your friends. So I know that you could work seven, but I'm asking you to put margin in your life, step back from the edge, and take one day where you don't do any work. And so as I try to comprehend God, and that statement alone is maybe foolish to you. Because who could comprehend God? In my effort to try to understand God and His ways and His teachings, He says, let me give you some help. And He sends His only Son, Jesus, into our world. And the Bible tells me that Jesus is the exact representation of the being of God. He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus says, if you have seen me, guess what you've seen? You've seen the Father. And so one day somebody says to Jesus, how should we spend our lives? What is the important stuff? And last week I reminded you that Jesus said, you want to know what the important stuff is? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. Here's what's important. God is important and people are important and He doesn't put anything else on that list. And so if I look to Jesus and I say, Jesus, how would you like me to live my day? 
Jesus is going to say, invest your day in the Father and invest your day in people. That's the important stuff. So put margin in your life and make room in your life for the important things. So I was, I was in Phoenix yesterday and I flew home last night. I had been there for three days and I was meeting with a group of Nazarene Native American pastors. These guys all live on the reservation. And they have churches that they're pastoring. And so we're trying to partner with them and we're going to talk about it a lot in a few weeks. But we're saying, you know, can we encourage you? Can we be stronger if we work together? And so we're dreaming together about how God might help us all to reach people for Jesus. And so I really didn't, you know, come to a church that I had to say, you guys should get serious about mission stuff. I mean, I came to a church that was serious about mission stuff. And so it amazes me when I watch you guys, you you take two weeks sometimes of your vacation. And you write a really large check and you spend a couple of weeks in Swaziland. And some of you take your time away from spring break, college students and others, and you you go to Arizona and you go to the Navajo Reservation and you spend your energy and your money. What are you doing? We have created margin in our life. We did not spend all of our time, we saved some of it. We did not spend all of our money, we saved some of it. So we could focus on the important stuff in life. We're about people. Because Jesus said people are important. It's about honoring God because Jesus said our relationship with God is important. And we understand that relationships are experienced in the margin of our lives. And so if we're going to do the important stuff, then we have to create margin. And so there was a guy there speaking. His name is Jim Bond. He was a pastor and a missionary and a university president and a general superintendent, and now he's retired. And for three times, I sat there and I got to hear him preach. I'm a preacher, and so I don't get to hear many preachers preach live. I go online and listen to preachers preach. But it was awesome. And he challenged me. He asked me questions like this. What if every member of your church was just like you? Would that be a great church? I think I said not yet. God's still working on me. One of the things he said was, reminding us of the words of John Wesley. He said, Wesley used to say, draw a circle. Just draw a circle. And then stand in that circle. And then just beg God to bring a revival to everything in that circle. You like those words? Just draw a circle and stand in the circle and just say, God, would you bring a revival to everything in this circle? And so Paul comes to the close of this paragraph and he says, be filled with the Spirit. 
Let God's Holy Spirit fill you. And it's in the imperative present tense. It's imperative that you do it, but it's also in the present tense, meaning continuous action. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit. Just live your life in a way that you're always saying, God, fill me with your Spirit. That's how we get there. That's how we achieve the life that He calls us to. Let me, let, me, let me wrap it up by just telling you one quick story. I remember a lady who came to my office when I was pastoring in Tennessee. So this would have been, you know, maybe 15 years ago now. And she says, Pastor Rick, I want to be very careful about what I say. Because I love my husband very much. And, and I know that my husband loves me and he loves my son very much. She said, but he's a provider. She says, you, you can see I'm, I'm a tall person. We're, we're big people. And so we, we need big vehicles. We, we, we just can't make it in a small car, really. And so we buy these big vehicles, these big trucks and big SUVs, the biggest they make. And about every year or two, he's trying to buy us a new truck or SUV. And so that requires him to work a lot of overtime at the plant. For the last two years, he has been building us this house. And, and he knew that if he oversaw it himself and he did a lot of the work himself that he could build us a much bigger and a much nicer house. And don't misunderstand me. I love this house. I'm crazy about the house. I mean, it was a gift from him to us. He loves us. And that's why he does it. But man, he worked every hour of the day that he wasn't on his job or sleeping. He was at that house. You never see him at church because he's always working on a project or he's always working overtime. This last summer, it was about the pool. That was the last step of the house. And he spent the whole summer putting in the pool. And we love the pool. But he's never been in the pool with us. And he's never been to one of my son's game. And he never eats dinner with us. It's always me and my son. And I always go to his games. And he never does any of that stuff with us. And I don't know how to tell him that although we appreciate all this stuff, what we really, really, really want is Him. So what if we got up in the morning and we sit down And we grabbed the Bible and we laid it in our laps. And after we read, we put it down and we got on our knees and we said, God, I've got a precious commodity. It's called time. I'm getting ready to spend 24 hours of it. You have an opinion on how I should spend it? I got a feeling you might be amazed at what God says to you. Yeah, make room for the important stuff. You could work till 9 o'clock tonight, but don't do it. Create margin. You got to spend some time on the important stuff.
So I want us to do something before we go. And you wear watches? Anybody wear watches anymore? Anybody got a watch on? Would you take your watch off right now? Do you mind? You're saying, seriously? Well, I don't want to mess up your life. If it's going to make a big deal, don't do it. But if you don't mind, just take it off. Hold it in your hand. If you don't tell time with a watch, what do you use? Your phone? You mind taking your phone out? Could we just have our ushers collect those watches real quick? No, I, was, I was kidding about that. So what if in the morning you didn't put your watch on? What if you didn't put your watch on until you found yourself with God's Word open in your lap and found yourself on your knees saying, God, I've got a lot of time and I'm getting ready to start spending it and I'm going to spend it really fast. It's going to go just like this. You got an opinion? And every time you went to see what time it was, you realized, ah, I haven't asked God if He has an opinion yet. Or what if you set an alarm on your phone? And you just kept hitting snooze until you found yourself with a Bible open in your lap. And you found yourself on your knees saying, God, the time is moving on. You have an opinion? I think it's a worthy goal. So we're going to sing. But before we sing, I want us to just take a minute to think about praying together and I really want us to pray together this morning before we go. I, I, I got a feeling there might be somebody saying, you got my number, Rick, or the Holy Spirit has my number. And if anybody needs to hear the sermon this morning, it was pretty funny. I'm preaching a sermon on time management in the first service. Annette and I both run into the service late from different directions. Not a good example. But I think we're all tempted to conform to the patterns of the world. And the pattern of the world is go, go, go. More and newer must be better. And therefore, let's get a better life. And it's a lie. So maybe this morning you want to come and you just want to talk to the Father about, you got an opinion on how I should be spending this time of mine that you've given me? I realize that Many of you, this is not your first Sunday to attend church. And you've been coming for a while and you've been saying, man, I want to become a Christian. This morning, you can become a Christian. This morning, you can be forgiven of your sin. This morning, you can walk out of these doors knowing that Jesus Christ lives in you. So there's going to be pastors standing here and a pastor standing here. And if you want to be forgiven this morning, just get the attention of one of those pastors. And they'll come and they'll pray for you lot of sickness in our church these last few days. If you want to be prayed for for healing, one of the pastors will anoint with oil. Just get their attention. If this morning you just want to come and say, I love you. I thank you. You can come. So let's stand together and let's worship and let's spend some time praying together. Around the altar if you choose.
about us staying a little longer in worship on Sunday morning. Sometimes I dream about people coming up around the front and just seeing people with their hands lifted saying, I just don't want to leave the presence of the Lord yet. You you leave whenever you need to leave, okay? Uh, But when you leave, just leave really quietly. If you want to pray with a friend, feel free. If you want to pray with somebody at your seat, feel free. If you want to just be seated and linger, feel free. But if you are ready to go, don't hesitate. You're free to go. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.